good. We needed that. Time to praise the Lord together again. Amen. Amen. I'm excited to see you guys here. Uh, new faces tonight as well. If I've not gotten to meet you, uh, not gotten to talk to you, I want to. Before you, before you leave here, before you take off, I'd love to uh, meet you, give you a fist bump, learn your name, uh, get to know you better, hopefully, in the, in the weeks to come. All right. You guys ready to jump into it? So my name is Matt. Thank you. I'm the pastor of Chi Alpha. I don't have a ton of Instagram followers. I don't use TikTok, like at all. I don't have a ton of Twitter followers. I'm not a YouTube celebrity and likely will not be. I, I have Facebook friends, but man, if I were to go to that, through that list of Facebook friends and like actually pick out how many of them are real, true friends in real life, that'd probably be pretty discouraging, right? Um, I'm, I, man, I'm, I'm not a somebody, right? I'm not, I'm not some big famous uh, internet uh, celebrity. Um, there was a time when I was younger that I cared more about those things, right? That I cared more about, oh, can I, let me be here on social media and be, be somebody. I'm not, I'm not still there. But there was a time, particularly, and let me tell you, the one that particularly got me was Twitter. Like, that's the one. You may have, like, your social media you like to use. For me, it's like, man, I just like kind of what Twitter was, what it did. So I got, I'm going to kind of get into this, right? So I make my Twitter account. Okay, now i, I got to share stuff on here, right? What, what kind of content do I want to put out there in the world for my Twitter account? Well, I'm a pastor, so maybe I should share, like, pastor stuff, like words of encouragement and Bible verses and put that out there, you know, right? That's not all I am. So I'm going to share, man, I need to share some other stuff, too, stuff that I'm into, stuff that I'm interested in. Um, Alex should be here. Man, I'll tweet something about that, right? Oh, I'm a dad, too, right? Man, I'll tweet stuff about what it's like being a dad, being a parent, uh, and, and, and funny stuff, and then this, and try, try to get that out there. And uh, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Nobody does. Um, and then, but then you guys, if you use social media, and I would guess, man, almost everyone in here, to some degree, interacts <laughs> with social media, man, you get that, you get that little notification. Oh, somebody liked the thing that I wrote, right? Oh, somebody shared the thing that I wrote, right? That's a little, little dopamine hit, right? In your brain, you get that notification. Oh, I got a new follower. I got two new followers, right? Oh, eight people liked my post, right? And so that's, that's how it gets you, right? It draws you back in. You, you put it away, you're moving on to the next thing, and it draws you back in, that little dopamine hit, the little notification, right? Some of you guys are wise and have those notifications turned off, right? So it's, it's just sitting there for when you want to use it. But I started using Twitter in that way, and I was like, oh, okay, start to get more followers on there. I'm getting excited about that. One day, let me tell you about, one day something really weird happened, though. Something really strange happened. I got a notification, like 10, 15 new followers, like all at once. What? Whoa, okay, that's cool, but, but what? Like, why? Uh, and all of a sudden, like, 20 new followers, like 50 new followers, over 100 new followers all within an hour, right? It was this one afternoon, 100 new followers. I didn't do anything. Like, I hadn't done anything to merit that. Uh, I tried to look at man, who are all these people, right? All of a sudden, I want to follow me and know what I'm tweeting, right? Who are all these people? Every single one of these accounts had something in common. The profile picture was of a bodybuilder muscle man, right? Like, like, like a guy, a gym bro, a bodybuilder muscle man, and his, his biceps are glistening, and his, his shoulders are huge. Every single one of them had these bodybuilder accounts. I'm like... What in the world? And they're bots, right? They're not real people, like, to be clear, right? These are bots. I'm like, what in the world happened that made over 100 bodybuilder muscle man bots want to follow me within the span of an hour? Like, what algorithm, what, what clicked over there? I had not tweeted about exercise 
or muscles at all. I mean, you guys can tell, like, man, I work out a lot, right, man? I put, I put a lot of work in. Uh, if I hadn't tweeted about that, maybe, maybe sometime in the last six months I had Googled, like, hey, what's a good workout routine, right? I'm going to go to the YMCA later. Well, what's a good, good lift routine? Maybe that, but, like, nothing to merit, like, all these followers. And then, sure enough, because there are bots within a few weeks, they, they were all gone. But something that I learned from this experience, right, Something that kind of stuck with me in that moment. The whole thing made me realize something very important. Social media is stupid, right? It's dumb. It's dumb. It's so stupid. It's so stupid uh, that all we'd have, we'd get a bunch of followers and they would be bots, right? And then, and, and that I would think that like what I'm putting out there on the internet is making some huge lasting difference and impact in people's lives. And I'm not saying you can't put something on social media that doesn't encourage people. It does. And I've come across a post. I mean, it spoke to me, encouraged me for sure. But the amount of attention it got, right, the amount of our focus that it gets is oftentimes, it's not worth it, right, because how silly, how stupid that it is. You know, when I would think about, like, how many hours I'd wasted, like, trying to think of just the perfect tweet, or trying to think, man, how can I get some more followers, hours that I could have been spent pouring into my family, right, investing in students, right, spending time with God. And I think, what a waste, what a waste, what a waste. On some level, that we know it's stupid, right? We know it's empty. We know, man, there's not really anything to this. This is just kind of like, ah, whatever. But still, that draw of wanting to be somebody online, wanting to be a social media influencer, that draw is really strong. It's really strong. Why? Why is that? Why is that? So the title of our series right, that we kick off tonight is called Influencers. Influencers. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about being people of influence. And why do you? Why is there that draw to be people of influence? Not not just on social media, but in general, man, influencing the people around us. We're going to talk about what it means to be a person of influence. Um, but speaking of social media, man, man, look at this. I did some research. Listen to these stats. This is according to a 2019 study. 86% of young people, age 13 to 30, you guys are in that range. 86% of young people aged 13 to 30 said they would like to be some kind of social media influencer. Like when asked, yeah, yeah, I'd like to be a social media influencer, 86%. So that means if that's not you, it's like both the people sitting next to you, right? 86% of people say, yeah, yeah, I'd like to be a social media influencer of some kind. A 2017 study showed that nearly 50% of millennials say that they have been inspired by a YouTube influencer to make a personal change in their lives. The same study, four out of 10 millennials say they relate more to their favorite YouTuber than to their own friends and family. This guy gets me, right? This guy on this YouTube channel gets me, right? Four out of 10 people say, man, that has that kind of influence on their lives. Another study showed that young people aged 16 to 17, this one was wild, said that becoming a YouTuber is now the top career aspiration for that age. Age 16 to 17, being a YouTuber. Asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? What career would you like to pursue? 34%, 34%, that's like one out of three, said being a YouTuber was their top career choice, right? That's what I want to be when I grow up. I want to be a YouTuber, a social media vlogger, right? Someone that's making that social media video content was second at 18%, right? Right below that was a pop or a movie star at 16%. People, man, they want to be known. They want to be out there. They want to be famous. Um, for comparison, being a doctor was down there at 13%. And a lawyer at 6%. College ministry pastor didn't make the list at all. Like, it wasn't even on there. I don't know. 
Um, 34% said, man, my, my dream job, my dream career, uh, this is that next generation coming up. Said, I want to be a YouTuber, right? I want to be a social media influencer. I want to make that content. So this same study showed that over 50% of Gen Z and millennials, um, and that, that's your generation and mine, 50, over 50% said that they hope to someday create social media content as their primary source of income, right? They say, hey, I would like to do that. I want to I create social media. I want to create videos, and that'd be my primary source of income. Realistically, and I want y'all to think realistically, because y'all are smart. Y'all college kids. Realistically, will most of those go on to make a living from YouTube or social media? No, no, no. It's kind of like dreaming of being a professional athlete or a movie star. I mean, very few are going to find that kind of success that they can make a career of that, right? Like, like maybe, man, it's not, not to say it's not worth pursuing, but, but it's good to have, like, that backup plan, right? Like, very, very few are going to make it where they can succeed at that. But even knowing that, still, there's so many young adults that desperately want to be influencers in some kind of way, in some kind of way. And what I want us to think about tonight is why? Why? Why do we want to influence the people around us, right? Why do we want to have that kind of influence? Why do we want to influence others? What is the huge appeal there? Certainly there can be prideful motivations, right? I just want people to know me. I want to be famous. I want to see my name in lights, right? I want to say, Armand. One night only. Come check it out, right? No, that's not Armand. He's humble. So sometimes it can be, yeah, some kind of prideful motivation for fame. We want people to look up to us. I honestly think there's more to it than that. Part of the reason is, man, that we, we have that desire for influence. Part of the reason is because that's how God designed us. Did you guys know that? I mean, God designed you, made you to be a person of influence for him, right? He wants to influence, wants you to influence the people around you for him, for his glory, draw them into his kingdom. God wants to use you to influence people around you. If you know the Lord, you have a relationship with God, he wants to use you to influence the people around you and draw them into a relationship with God as well. That's how he made you. That's how he made you, for him, for his glory. We were made to glorify God and enjoy him. Do you guys know that? That's why God created you, to glorify him and to enjoy him, to be in relationship with him celebrating his goodness, celebrating the hope that we found in him, and then also influencing others, inviting them to join in to that same celebration, right? Join into that same celebration and find new life in the God who made them. Real influence, listen to this, real influence is not getting someone to subscribe to your channel, right? And not real influence is not getting someone to follow your social media profile or to buy a product because you endorsed it. Hey, check out this brand Cheetos. You're going to love it, right? That's not real influence. Real influence, get this, real influence is transforming a person's eternal destiny by introducing them to the one who can heal their brokenness, save them from their sins, and give their lives true purpose and meaning. That's influence, right? And so, so you sold a product because you got a lot of followers, right? They're going to forget you in, in you know, two weeks. Real influence is changing someone's eternal destiny. Because you introduce them to Jesus, right? You introduce them to the one that can really give their life true purpose and meaning. Real influence is living in such a way that the people around you are able to have encounters with Jesus where their life intersects with yours, right? And so I want you guys to start thinking of influence that way. It's like, okay, I want to have influence on man, my roommates, my classmates, my friend group, my family. Uh, what you want to do is give people encounters with the Lord. Man, when, when they hang out with you, 
um, there's going to be some Jesus that rubs off on them, right? You're going to share, man, something you found in God's word. They're going to have an encounter with God's presence when they hang out with you. So how do we have this kind of influence? That's what we're talking about. How do we have this kind of influence? So we're going to start this series tonight called Influencers. We're going to kick it off. The, the, the passage that we're looking at tonight, if you've got your Bibles, is going to be uh, an Old Testament book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 15 is where we're going to be. The, the words are going to be up there. You can also follow along the, uh, the Bible app, uh, the Version app. There's a, there's a Kyle from Memphis event if you want to follow along there. If you just want to take notes, that's cool too. If you got the, your old paper Bible, you're a real one, right? And you can, can follow along there. Uh, if your neighbor brought a paper Bible, they'll probably let you look along with them. But we're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 15. Jeremiah was an Old Testament prophet who was called to influence his generation for God. God called Jeremiah and said, I want you to be my mouthpiece to these people. I want you to be a prophet to them. He gave him a prophetic voice to his generation to call people out of their sin, out of their idolatry, call them back to God, back into relationship with God. But as many of you know, when you try to be a godly influence to the people around you, they just love it, right? They just, oh, yes, they love it. No, when you try to be a godly influence to the people around you, there's going to be difficulties. There's going to be obstacles. There's going to be opposition. And there was for Jeremiah as well. So where we're going to pick up with Jeremiah tonight in Jeremiah 15, Jeremiah has already served as God's prophet for a little while now. And he's faced some harsh persecution for it. The people have mistreated him. And then the text we're looking at tonight, he is frustrated. He's done. God, I'm tired of these people. I'm tired. I'm done with this. Has anybody ever complained to God? Thank you for your honesty. Yeah. Ever complain to God? Like, it seems wrong, but it's like, God, I'm frustrated. This is awful. Get me out of this situation, right? Or, or, or transform this. And this person needs to leave me alone, God. Would you help? Man, if you've been a Christian, if you've been a follower of Christ any length of time, you probably had a prayer that sounded like this prayer we're about to read, right? A complaint to God. A complaint to God. And God knows God loves you. And he can handle it, right? I'm a, I'm a father as well. We've got, we've got three kids, one boy, two girls. And, and they come and tell me when they're fed up, when they're frustrated, right? And I can handle it because I'm their dad, right? They can tell me whatever they need to tell me in the same way your heavenly father. He can handle it. You can be real with him. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there's those moments that, that we bring our complaint to God. And this is where we find Jeremiah. So beginning uh, Jeremiah chapter 15, starting in verse 15, he's making his plea to the Lord. He's asking God for help because, man, he's just done. He's so frustrated. Let's take a look at it. Asking God for help, asking God for retribution. It says, Jeremiah chapter 15, starting in verse 15. <clears throat> this is Jeremiah speaking. Then I said, Lord, you know what's happening to me. Please step in and help me. Punish my persecutors. Please give me time. Don't let me die young. It's for your sake that I'm suffering. When I discovered your words... I devour them. They are my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, O Lord God of heaven's armies. I never joined the people in their merry feasts. I sat alone because your hand was on me. I was filled with indignation at their sins. So why, then, does my suffering continue? And continues on. Why is my, my wound so incurable? God, this is hard. It seems like you're gone. seems like you're not there. He's complaining to God. God, trying to be an influencer for you is tough. And these people are treating me terrible. Why are you letting this continue? And he's just being real with God, right? And God can handle it. Like we said, God can handle it. And, and Jeremiah's trying to, trying to say, 
you know, God, here's why you should help me. He, he cites two things in his defense right there in verse uh, you know, 16, 17. Um, he cites two things in his defense. First, he says that he loves God's word there in verse 16. He said, man, I devour God's word. I love your word. I devour it like it's my food, right? I, I love God's word. And that's good, right? We should love God's word. We want to be a person of influence. We also need to be a person that loves God's Word. And he says he's also isolated, separated himself from sinful people and their activities. He said, God, I'm not the one going to those parties, right? Like, I'm not even hanging out with those people that are, that are sinning. Like, I'm keeping my distance from them. I love your word. Why is this happening to me? Why is it so hard? And he questions God and says, God, are you ever going to bring relief from this suffering? And this is how the Lord responds. And this is going to be the main, main part of the text we're going to focus in on tonight. Verse 19 and 20, how the Lord responds is so key for Jeremiah, but also so key for us on how we can be a person of influence, a man of influence, a woman of influence, how God can use you to influence the people around you. Uh, this is the Lord's response. Verse 19, this is how the Lord responds. Jeremiah, you can just picture him saying it. If you return to me, I will restore you so that you can continue to serve me. If you speak good words rather than worthless ones, you will be my spokesman. You must influence them, Jeremiah. Don't let them influence you. You must influence them. Don't let them influence you. He says, when you do this, verse 20, they'll fight against you like an attacking army, but I will make you as secure as a fortified wall of bronze. They'll not conquer you, for I am with you to protect you and rescue you. I, the Lord, have spoken. I, the Lord, have spoken. He says, Jeremiah, listen, son, I love you. I heard your complaint. I listened to that for a minute. Now you listen to me. He says, if you return to me, I'll restore you. If you speak good words, rather than just complaining all the time, right, rather than worthless ones, you're going to be my spokesperson. And Jeremiah, you've got to influence them, not let them influence you. So Jeremiah, Jeremiah learns three things here. And this is going to be our main points as well. Uh, three things that God and tells Jeremiah he needs to do. You want to be a person of influence. You want to continue to be a prophetic voice to this generation. Here's three things. The first one is this. He says you got to return to the Lord. Return to the Lord. Man, I don't know where Jeremiah's heart was and all this. I know he was frustrated. But he said the first thing you got to do, Jeremiah, is return to me. Man, come back to me. If you return to me, I'll restore you. God says the first thing we need to do is change our focus, change our perspective, take our eyes off of our problems, our circumstances, all that stuff we get bogged down on. And he says instead to turn to the Lord, focus on God, focus on his promises. Turn to me instead of your problems and turn to me instead of your doubts and your fears and the things that are making you anxious. That's the first thing we've got to do, right? The first things we've got to do, even if we're feeling man, beat up by the world, even if we're feeling discouraged, first thing we've got to do is return to the Lord. So some of us tonight, man, we may be at different places in our relationship with God. I know the winter break can be tough. It's long, right? And sometimes we go home, and we're, we're out of, like, the normal kind of rhythm of Alpha and then being in Christian community. And I've been to life group in seven weeks. I don't have those, those brothers around encouraging us in the Lord. I don't have those sisters around holding us accountable. And the break can be tough. And sometimes, man, we come back after summer break, come back after winter break. We're, we don't know, are we still even a Christian, right? Like, it, it was hard, right? We got, we got doubts. We're struggling with sin. Well, the first thing, before we even talk about influencing anyone else, the first thing we got to get right with God. Got to return to the Lord. Say, God, man, I, I got far away from you. I didn't even notice. It was like a slow slipping away. Or maybe I, man, I gave into this temptation. I know I shouldn't have. I've been messing around with these sins. First thing to do, just return to the Lord. Say, God loves you. God loves you. We've said that several times tonight, that it is true. God loves you. God loves you. He's not mad at you. He 
He's there with open arms and waiting for you to repent, waiting for you to say, God, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have been messing around with this. Please forgive me. I want to draw close to you again. But Jeremiah, the first thing you do is, is return to the Lord. And that's for us as well. Wherever you're at in relationship with God, and maybe it's not some big sin or, or big idolatry or big thing you plummeted down into. It's just, there's some distance there. God, I'm not as close to you as I once was. God, I'm not as close to you as I want to be or I, I used to be. He's just saying, man, just return to me. I'm right here. Right here with open arms. You can have as much of God as you want. Right? He, he wants to spend that time with you. He wants to draw close to you. But the first thing we've got to do is return to him. Return to him. If we want to be someone who changes the world around us instead of being shaped by the world and the trials of life, first thing we got to do is return to the Lord. And so it's going to be time to pray uh, here in a little bit. But, but that's some of us. We just need to get back to where we were. We need to get back to God. Return to him. Uh, confess some sins, may ask for his forgiveness, and he's quick to forgive us every single time, uh, to wash us clean, to make us new, give us that fresh start, right? January is a lot about New Year's resolutions and fresh starts, and it's a new year. You can have a fresh start with God tonight, and you can leave this place totally forgiven, totally cleansed, a brand new creation in Christ tonight. God wants to give you that fresh start. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter, man, 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 you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I'm guilty of. don't know... I got some shame here in this area. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. And God loves you. He wants to forgive you, right? He wants to give you a fresh start with him. So we've got to return to the Lord. The next thing Jeremiah says is, Jeremiah, you need to speak my truth. You need to speak God's truth. What he told Jeremiah is, if you speak good words rather than worthless ones, you'll be my spokesperson. So we can be honest with God, right? We say we, we can be real with God. We can tell God when we're struggling. We can tell God when it hurts. He can handle it. Like as we read the Bible, you're going to read lots of prayers of people upset and telling God how they feel and being real with some emotions. And you say, oh, I didn't know that word was in the Bible. No, it's there, right? Because these people are brokenhearted. And as you read the Psalms, you're going to see some rough stuff because it's just recorded men, real people who really love God, really struggling with what it means to be a human being in a fallen world. You can take that stuff to God. He loves you and he's big enough to handle it. You can be real with him in that way. You can share what's on your heart. You can be honest and open about your hurts, your doubts, your fears. But our words have power. And there's going to come a time, once we've got that out, once we've shared that with the Lord, there's going to come a time where God's going to say, no, don't continue to dwell on that. Because your words have power. You need to start speaking my truth over that situation. Right? You need to start speaking my word over that issue and not just complain, not just more and more and more negativity. God's big. He can handle it, but there's going to come a point and say, okay, you got that out. You got that out of your system. Now you need to speak my word, right? Speak words of truth, of life, quote God's word over that situation, and that's what his desire is for us. Your words have power. Once you've brought those things to the Lord, we can't dwell on them, but we need to speak out in faith his word, his promises, his truth. If we're going to speak God's truth over our situations, we first got to know his truth, right? And you can't claim his word, claim his promises over your life if you don't know them. That means spending time in God's word, getting to know his word. And as you come across something that, hey, man, this is for, this is for me. This is for my life. Man, man, speaking that out over your life, speaking that over the situation. Are you guys hearing me, right? Um, there's going to come a time where God says, man, I need you to change how you talk about this situation, Right? The, 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 man, man, sometimes we need to complain, sometimes we need to vent, but God says, man, your words have power, and if you want to be a person of influence, you've got to change how you speak about these situations and start speaking my truth over them. 
claiming my promise over this circumstance. So start thinking about what does God's word have to say about this circumstance? What does God's word have to say about this situation? What does God's word have to say about my identity? And speaking that kind of truth over my life, right? Well, this is what God's word says I am. And this is who, who God says I am now that I'm a Christian, now that I'm in Christ. These are the things God says is true of me. This is the things God says is true of my family, of my future, right? And start speaking that truth over your life. God says, that's critical, man, Jeremiah. And for us as well, man, you want to be my spokesperson, you've got to start speaking my truth, right? Instead of worthless words. So many of the words we speak are just worthless. Not, not even just complaining, not even just negative. They're just nothing. He says, if you want to be a person of influence, you've got to start speaking my word. Because God's word has power, amen? God's word has power. He says, start speaking my word over your circumstances, over your situation, over your identity, and the final thing he says is this, Jeremiah, you must influence them. Do not let them influence you. The last thing we need to do is we need to be aware of our own influences. And who, who's able to speak into our life? Who's influencing us? Those stats we were looking at earlier is mostly YouTube, right? I guess, I don't know. Um, but for real, for you, think about for you, man. What is the biggest influence in your life? Maybe it's a parent, maybe it's mom, maybe it's dad, maybe it's grandma, maybe it's a teacher, maybe it's a friend, maybe it is maybe a, a YouTube personality, maybe it's an Instagram person you really like. Who, who, who's earned the right to speak into your life and influence you, or who are you allowing to influence you? And are they influencing you in such a way that you're getting closer to God or, or farther away from the Lord, right? Because he says, Jeremiah, you need to be aware of who you're allowing to influence you. So that's the thing we need to do, man. Take inventory, take stock, man. Who are our influences? Who's able to speak into our life and shape our lives? And are these influences primarily shaping us to be more like Jesus or to be more like this world and more like this culture? And, 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 and man, it's subtle, right? Man, we find something we like, oh, this is cool, and we start to watch it or we start to get invested in it, and all of a sudden we realize that it's shaping us, it's molding us. When really it shouldn't be that way. It's influencing us instead of us being the influence we need to be, the light of the world that Jesus has called us to be. And there may be some things, right? There may be some things, some influences that the Lord is asking you to cut out of your life so that you can be a better influence for him. Say, man, this thing you're messing around with, you're never going to be the person of influence that I want you to be while you keep messing around with this, while you keep tolerating this. There's things that God may put his finger on even tonight. Holy Spirit may put his finger on and say, Son, daughter, this needs to go, right? This needs to go, or this needs to at least severely decrease the amount of influence. This has way too big a voice in your life, and it's not making you draw closer to me. It's not making you more like my son Jesus. This needs to decrease. This needs to diminish, or it may need to go entirely. Be aware of your influences. Because if you want to be a person of influence, whose influence in you really matters. Right? Is it, is it godly people speaking to your life? Is there a, a godly mentor, a godly woman, a godly man that has a voice in your life that's shaping you? A big brother, a big sister in the Lord that, that, that is speaking into your life and, and influencing you? Or are you being influenced by things that are drawing you away from the Lord? We need to be aware of it. Look at this verse. This is in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. The Apostle Paul is writing to Christians in Rome, but man, he's writing to us as well. Romans 12, verse 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. 
He says, man, Christian, you've got to be aware of what's influencing you. And you've got to make sure you're not conforming to the pattern of this world, right? The, you're, not, you're not becoming more like the culture, right? Not everything about the culture is bad. That's not it. But make sure that, that you're becoming more like Jesus instead of seeing how can I just blend in with the culture, right? If someone, man, looks at you and there's nothing different about your life than anyone else, right, then, then, then what's going to make them interested in hearing about the Lord, hearing about Jesus, right? Um, man, you, you want to share the gospel with your friends, man, share, share the hope you found in Jesus. But if they look at your life and it's exactly the same as their life because you still conform to the pattern of this world, like, what do you have to offer? Right? They want to look at you and see something different. And a, a hope that they don't have, a joy that they don't have, a love that they don't have because of the time you spent with Jesus. Because you've allowed your mind to be renewed by spending time with God and being aware of what's influencing you. So that man, when you have those encounters with friends and family and roommates and coworkers and classmates, uh, that they look at you and your life looks different because of what you've allowed to influence you. Does that make sense? You hear me? So we need to make sure we're not just kind of falling in line with the culture and, oh, we just want to blend in and look just like them. It's not about blending in. What a waste of time. How many years do you have on this earth, right? 60, 70, 80, 90 years on this earth just to blend in, right? Make no difference at all? What a waste. Don't waste your life, right? But renew your mind and be that person of influence that God wants you to be. There are things that influence you, things that we tolerate and mess around with that make it difficult for God to use us. Right? That, that, that thing in your life that you're messing around with, you know it needs to go. As long as it's there, it's going to be really tough for God to use you. He wants to purify your life to make you a vessel that he can use. How many of you guys like to cook? Yeah? That's several of you. Way more than I expected. <laughs> How many would even go as far as say, I would love to be a chef someday. That would be a really cool job. All right, Kim, I see you. All right. Nelly, keep me a chef. You already have a job. <laughs> right? All right. So let's imagine you're a chef, right? Even, even those of you guys that don't like to cook, imagine with me. Imagine with me, you're a chef in a fancy restaurant. It's like, it's like, it's like Ratatouille fancy. So you've got to wear the white and the, the white puppy hat, right? You're in this fancy restaurant, and you're, you're the head chef, and you're making this dish, right? Uh, and you're, you're, you've got... The big pot that you're making the big dish in. You can tell I love to cook, right? So you've got your utensils there, right? And you've got, oh, I need, I need a, a spoon to, to stir the big dish. Um, and you've got a couple spoons to choose from, right? One of the spoons, and fresh out of that hot industrial dishwasher, right? Still hot to the touch, and it is totally clean. Like any kind of microbe has been blasted to oblivion off of that thing. Uh, sparkling clean, you can see yourself in it. You got that spoon, and you got another spoon that's not been to the dishwasher yet, it's still got a little crust on there from, I think, last night's dinner, um, which of those spoons are you going to use to prepare the dish, right, that you're going to serve in that restaurant? <laughs> the clean one, right, right, or maybe you don't care about the people in the restaurant, you're cooking for your family, right, you've got two dishes to choose from, you've got a bowl that, again, is, is kind of crusty and dirty, uh, and you've got a bowl that's clean, which one are you going to use to serve a meal to someone you love, someone you care about? The clean one, right. How many of you ever want to be in the medical field, be a doctor, be a nurse, be something like that. Yeah, several of you. Okay, let's say you're a doctor. Not just a doctor, you're a surgeon. And you're there in the operating theater, right? And you've got, what are your, what are your surgeons usually? You got scalpels, scissors, uh, <laughs> knives, needles. You've got all these things. You've got your tray. Like they have in the TV, they got the tray, and it's got lots of metal, shiny things on it. Okay, you need to do this important surgery to your patient, right? Life or death situation, right? This person lives or dies by your hand and the tools that you choose. And you look at this, I don't, and I'm not a doctor. I don't know how they, I'm sure they, they clean them real well though, right? 
Um, and you're looking at your train, and you've got one scalpel. It's super, super clean. I need to see yourself in this. You got your, your doctor stuff on. <laughs> super clean. You got another scalpel that's still a little crusty. It looks like some stuff on there maybe from the last surgery from, from earlier that day on there. Which of those scalpels are you going to use to operate on this patient? It's life or death. The clean one, right? Listen, God is no different. God is no different. The great physician is no different. He's looking for a clean tool that he can use. A clean instrument that he can use. A clean vessel that he can use. And so when he's looking at your life, right? Your, your, your purity, right? Man, your, your, your holiness, the things that you tolerate, the things that you... It's going to determine your usefulness to God. And people say, yeah, I want God to use me. Okay, well... There's things that affect that usefulness, right? And God wants you to be aware of your influences and be aware of the things that he may want to remove from your life so that you can be more useful to him. You guys hear me? Right? God wants to use you. God wants to use you more than you want to be used, if you can believe that. He wants to use you to influence people around you. But, but that, that cleanliness is an issue, right? We want to be those pure vessels that God can use. We want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. So if God's putting his finger and saying, son, I love you, this has to go. Daughter, you're so precious to me. This is not good for you. It's not my will for you. We need, we need to be submitted to the Lord enough to say, okay, I want it gone, right? God, if you don't want it, I don't want it. Get it out of here so we can be that clean instrument that he can use for his glory. Amen? God tells Jeremiah in verse 19, you must influence them. Do not let them influence you. You've got to influence them, Jeremiah. Don't let them rub off on you. Be the one that influences them. When you walk into a situation, think, okay, man, I want to influence these people for the Lord. Man, I want to share God with these people. I want these people, after they spend time with me, to be closer to God than they were than they started. Not farther from God, right? For spending time in, in, with me, hanging out with me. You must influence them. Do not let them influence you. Some of you guys may need to underline that in your Bible or highlight it in the app. Whatever you need to do, write it on something where you see it every day. You must influence them. Jeremiah 15, 19. Do not let them influence you. In our leadership training class, uh, discipleship class, D class, it starts in a couple of weeks. There's an illustration we use that compares a thermometer to a thermostat, right? And you guys, again, are all educated enough to know the difference. A thermometer, what does a thermometer do? It just tells you what temperature it already is in the room, right? You look at a thermometer, and it says, like in this room, it's, it's like 40 degrees, it feels like. I don't know. But a thermometer tells you what the temperature already is in the room. A thermostat changes the temperature in the room, right? So sometimes rooms like this, they don't look good, so change it. But thermostat in your house, in your apartment, whatever, changes the temperature in the room. Um, the thermostat and the thermometer. Thermometer just reflects the environment. The thermostat changes the environment. If you're going to be a person of influence, God wants to make you a thermostat rather than a thermometer. Rather than just blending in, rather than just looking like everybody else, just kind of blending in whatever situation you're in, uh, being that thermometer, he wants you to be that thermostat that transforms the situation. When you walk into a room, you change the temperature spiritually, right? You change the situation. Uh, you, you change the, the spiritual atmosphere because you're that thermostat, that influencer kind of person that transforms situations you're in with your family, with your friends, with your roommates. You step into a situation and it's transformed because you're that person of influence because you've allowed God to make you that way. So if we want to be people of influence, we've got to keep these three things in mind as well. First, we've got to return to God. We've got to make sure we're speaking God's truth. And we've got to be aware of our influences. So this semester, we're going to be looking at major figures 
of the Old Testament that the Lord used to influence those around them. We're going to learn from their lives and allow God to shape us into people of influence as well. You know, for those of you guys that were here last semester, we ended the semester with that series, Family Tree, that looked at the lives of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, right? The, the, this first family whose descendants would one day um, and lead to, to Jesus, the Messiah, coming. We looked at this family tree, this messy family tree that God used. We're going to continue and build off of that story with this influencer story. Remember, Joseph's story ended with the whole family was in Egypt, right? And so we're going to flash forward uh, a few hundred years. We're going to pick up next week with our first major influencer. His name was Moses. You heard about this guy, Moses? Was Moses a big influence? We're going to learn how. We're going to learn how. <laughs> how Moses was a big influence. And then, and then for the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at different figures in the Bible, how God used them to be a person of influence, and what we can learn from that so God can make us a person of influence as well. Sound good? So I want to leave you with this one last verse. We'll close here. One last verse for a way, a way I want you to think about influence. When you hear the word influence, this is what I want you to think of. Real influence, it actually transforms lives. Real influence, it actually leaves a lasting impact. Doesn't just change a person for a few minutes, but leaves a lasting impact. This is Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is a celebration of heroes of the faith. And as you go through it, it's been person after person that God used in a big way. Let's just look at these first four verses there. Hebrews 11, starting in verse 1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope an assurance about what we do not see. Faith is that confidence in what we hope for and an assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen is not made out of what is visible. Verse four, this is the verse I really want you to focus in on. By faith, Abel, Abel was one of Adam and Eve's sons. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than his brother Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. <clears throat> and by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he's dead. Jack, would you mind if you come play quietly? That's influence right there. Abel still speaks, even though he's dead. Right? When, I, when you think about influence, I want you to think about legacy. Like, you want to leave a lasting impact? Then live a life where you're still speaking after you're dead. We, we, had, we celebrated Martin Luther King Jr.'s holiday on Monday, right? Talking about someone who still speaks, even after he's dead. I mean, you can't turn any kind of way without seeing a, an MLK quote, right, on Monday. And that's good, because he had some important good stuff to say, right? That's, that's a good thing. But are we living in such a way that long after we're dead, right, we're leaving that impact? And, and I'm not saying you're going to be like an MLK-level figure, but when you reach your roommate for Christ, right, it, it transforms their internal destiny, right? Life or death, heaven or hell, man, you, you can make that kind of impact that ripples through generations. Their children, their grandchildren, right? Because you were bold and shared the gospel and influenced someone and invited them into the family of God, you can make that lasting impact. That's real influence. Not selling a product on Instagram, but speaking after you're dead because you allowed God to use you to advance his kingdom, his eternal kingdom. Trying to be famous is, is honestly a waste of time, right? Like, who, a hundred years from now, no one's going to remember Matt Drake, right? I'm not worried about that. I think about my own family, and I don't know if I know the name of my great, great, 
grandparents. I don't know if I know any of their first names. My great-grandfather, I know, there's one of them I know their first name. But you start to get a generation beyond that, certainly two generations beyond that, great-great-great-grandfather. I don't know my own family member's name, right? So if my own great-great-grandchildren are not going to remember me, like what a waste of time is it to try, try to be famous, to be somebody know What's the best use of my time is trying to make the name of Jesus great, right? To magnify the name that's going to be sung 10,000 years from now, 10 million years from now, right? To join in that chorus and say, you know what? I want to spend my whole life and just making Jesus' name well-known. That's how you have influence, right? That's how you speak after you're dead, right? To have that kind of influence. We want to be those kind of people. So my challenge as we kick off a brand new semester is that we would want to be real influencers that leave a lasting impact on the people around us and see the lives of our peers transformed for the glory of God. Amen? And to see a campus transformed, right? See University of Memphis transformed for the glory of God. Some of you guys have roommates that are far from God and need Jesus, classmates, family members, friends. God wants to use you in their life. This is the year, right? And we're going to talk all, all the rest of this rest of the semester about being that person of influence. I want us to respond in prayer. <clears throat> To those three points that, that God that God said to Jeremiah. First, just return to the Lord. Right? Some of you guys are going to say, Matt, I, to be honest, I'm not where I need to be with God, and that's me. I need to return to God tonight. And the good news of the Bible is, I bet you can. It doesn't matter how big you've blown it, how big you've screwed up. First John 1 9 says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And we come to God and say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. He forgives you, not because of any good that you, you've done, but because of what Jesus did on the cross. And Jesus has shed blood on the cross, makes it possible for God to forgive our sins. Um, maybe you've never even put your trust in Jesus in the first place. And yeah, I'm, I'm not a Christian, but and I'd like to find that hope in God. I'd like to have my sins forgiven. I'd like to have eternal life when this life on earth is over. You can do that tonight. Put your trust in Jesus, what he did on the cross to save you and make you right with God. Ask God to forgive your sins. And in that moment, you're adopted into the family of God as a son and as a daughter. So some of us need to return to God tonight. Uh, some of us need God to help us with our perspective. We've been saying worthless words, being too negative, and we need God to help us to see his perspective on our situation and speak his truth over our lives. So God, I want to start calling your promises over my life. Speak your truth over my life. God, change how I speak. And then some of you guys say, man, I realize I'm being influenced by some things that are just not good. God, help me to be aware of my influences, to maybe cut some things out of my life and be that person that influences others rather than be one that's being influenced by the world. Amen. Can you guys bow your heads and just respond to that? Man, whatever that is, there may be maybe two of them, maybe all three of them say, hey, that, that's me. Man, let's take the next few minutes, just you and the Lord, just you and the Lord, to pray that out. Say, God, that's me, God. God, I, I want to respond to that in faith. God, that's me. I need to return to you. I know I'm not where I need to be.
in difficult situations, not to be negative, not to be uh, complaining, God, but, but to speak your truth, God, your truth over our identity, your truth over our situation, God, over our academic situation, our financial situation, our relational situation, over our family, over our job. God, we speak your truth, speak your word, God, knowing that we're going to have real lasting influence because we're speaking the word of God. Help us be people that love your word and are speaking that truth over each other's lives, encouraging each other with the word, speaking your truth over our lives, God, and walking in that reality in Jesus' name, in your name. Holy Spirit, would you reveal to us the things that are influencing us that really don't need to, that we can humbly and we submit that stuff to you, say, God, you take it. God, would you let that diminish the effect of my life? Would you help me to stop doing that, stop looking at and every man and woman here tonight, God, I pray that you would make us that godly influence that you would want us to be, that we would be a bright light to the people around us, God, that you would make us a light on this campus, God, that in 2022, many would come to know you because of their faithfulness in the week, God, many would come to know you because they're a bright light on this campus, that they'd be sharing the gospel, sharing the hope they found in Jesus with their classmates and roommates and strangers, anyone that will listen, God, to Jesus for your glory. Jesus for your glory. You resubmit this, transform this. You remit this, transform this. You will transform for your glory, God. Jesus, Lord. Jesus, we thank you for these things. We love you, God. We love you, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm so glad that you're here. Excited to see you back here next week.